Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit stirs our hearts this morning is Psalm 73. Please be seated as we will listen to the psalm at the end of the sermon today. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. He was a Midwest boy, born in Iowa, growing up in Minnesota and of Wisconsin. His parents are now living in Duluth. But he was in Haiti helping the poor. Young and full of life, only 25 years old, he and his wife of two years, Renee, and his cousin Jonathan went to Haiti to help the poor. That morning he had assisted a nurse in caring for the needy in a slum of Port-au-Prince. That evening he lay crushed under the collapsed ceiling of St. John or St. Joseph's home for boys. Another fatality of the January 12th earthquake. That's but one story. We could come up with so many more stories of bad things happening to good people or, or good things happening to bad people, even though they just continue in their wickedness. Our times are no different than any other era of history. God's people have wrestled with this question throughout the ages. Why follow God when the wicked prosper and the faithful suffer? As we stand before Jesus with Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration today, we find comfort and strength as we remember what lies ahead, dear friends. It's the same comfort and strength that Asaph received from God as he struggled with that question in Psalm 73. This comfort and strength does not come from getting a reasonable explanation that satisfies our, our human sense of fairness in this all know, dear friends. Rather, the depth of comfort and the richness of strength that we receive goes to the very depths of our being. It underpins our faith with the Lord's promises. May the Holy Spirit guide us as we mine God's word, recorded in Psalm 73. May he comfort and strengthen us in that struggle with that question, why do the wicked prosper and the faithful suffer? May he comfort and strengthen us as he shows us and reminds us of what's ahead. Asaph, was a temple musician at the time of King David. As he writes this psalm, he recalls how he almost fell from faith. He writes, But as for me, my feet nearly went out from under me. My life's way was poured out as nothing, for I envied the arrogant boasters. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Why did the evil prosper while God's people suffered, Asaph wanted to know. Those evil ones, they strut around like fat cats, their bellies full and their lives just one good time after another. 
Even the prospect of death doesn't chain them down. They don't even have to work hard or suffer in the way the rest of us do. They're always looking for more, dreaming big, taking what they can, no matter who or what gets in their way. They boast and brag, strutting around with their tongues, even challenging God. And they get away with it. They just keep guzzling more and more, always living at ease and growing bigger. Why bother following Jesus? Why struggle against sin? Why face guilt day after day? Why keep our hearts pure? Rather, why not embrace the good life? Grab what you can for yourself. Claw your way past others. Ignore the guilt. For look at how successful those people are who so ruthlessly put themselves first. That's what Asaph saw. And he felt himself pulled into that kind of thinking, trying to figure out how the wicked prospered while God's people suffered was too much for his mind. It was a wearisome burden. It was too much for him. Yes, it was too difficult. Until he went into the sanctuary of God. Where do we meet our God? What is the sanctuary we enter to encounter our God, to find his wisdom? It's the pages of scripture, isn't it? Through the words of the Bible, we encounter our God. He brings us into his presence and he speaks to us with letters written in ink. Sanctify them by the truth, Jesus prayed. Your word is truth. That's the sanctuary we enter to meet our God. And as you see Moses and Elijah standing with Jesus at the transfiguration, remember that these were men God revealed his word to. He used them to record and to proclaim his word. And, and really Peter, James, and John as well were going to be men that recorded and proclaimed the word after Jesus died and rose. Yes, their testimony, all of their testimony still sounds out today through the scriptures, through his written word. God reveals himself to us. He reveals what we could never learn or discover on our own. He reveals what's ahead. And so, what did Asaph learn? Well, first, first of all, he learned that without God, all is lost. Yes, those arrogant boasters might appear as if they have, ha have it made, but even if they make it through this life with earthly wealth and pleasure, what's waiting for them? Even the richest and most powerful die just the same as the poorest pauper. And without a savior, death brings hell and damnation, torture and torment, fire and fury. It might not look that way to human sight. So don't be fooled. It might not look that way. The wicked might be praised in death and even remembered for generations to come. But God's word clearly reveals how lost they are. The Son of Man, when he returns in his glory with his angels, will say to them, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. How true, dear friends, how true what Asaph wrote in Psalm 73. Surely you have set them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How they waste away in a moment. They completely come to an end from destruction. O oh Lord, when you awake, you despise their images like a dream on awakening. 
And that's a warning for us too, isn't it? Yes, dear friends, heed the warning. Don't be deceived by the appearance of happiness and success. Don't look on like a dumb cow chewing its cud, wondering how to satisfy your appetites. How often the Lord's way seems so hard and blending in with the world so easy. Could it really be all that bad, we wonder? Couldn't we compromise just a little? Couldn't we sample its pleasures on occasion? But what happens when you're driving on an icy road and you take that curb just a little bit too fast? It doesn't take much, and you're spinning out of control. So also, when we think we can dabble with the world and keep God on the sideline, surely you have set them in slippery places, Asaph wrote. So don't be foolish toward the Lord and his ways, pushing the limits as if you didn't know better. When my mind sorrow, sour, soured and I was pricked in my heart, I was a brute and did not know I was like cattle toward you, Asaph writes. So rather, dear friends, rather than following the way of the, the wicked, even though it seems to prosper, the way that leads to, to destruction and slips into hell, rather, dear friends, rather see how much you and I need our God. My learning, my effort, my trying, all slip and fall. I am lost without my God. But here, here is that good news. Our God has come to us. He has come to be with us. He came in flesh and blood, born from Mary the Virgin. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The disciples saw him, watched him, heard him, touched him. They have testified to the words of the Spirit. And their testimony brings our God, Jesus Christ, to us still today. And do not forget that most wonderful way that 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 our our God Jesus is with us as well. You yourself touch your God as you eat his body and drink his blood in the supper. He is with you and me in that marvelous, miraculous, sacramental way as well. Yes, in his word and sacrament, our God is with us, so that through faith in Jesus, dear friends, through faith in Jesus, we too can pray like Asaph. We too can say, But I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. So even though in our weakness and ignorance we still stumble and slip, yet we will not fall, for your God holds your hand, just as a father or big brother holds the hand of a little child so that she does not fall on the ice. Remember that when you face the troubles and difficulties of life, when you wonder why bad things happen to you, when you wonder why those who hurt you seem to get away with it, Remember, dear friend, dear child of God, remember, your God is with you. He holds your right hand. What comfort, what strength. So walk with him, walk with him in his word. That's how we stay with him. That's how he holds our right hand as we walk in his word, taking it to heart as we receive his sacrament with believing with believing hearts. That's how we walk with him. And through his word, he leads us through this life so that we too can pray with Asaph, 
You guide me with your counsel. And what comes next? What comes next for you and me who follow Jesus in faith? Oh, not that slippery slope of the boastful that slides into hell. But what does Asaph say here? And afterwards, you take me into glory. In heaven, dear Christian, in heaven we will stand before the throne of the Lamb who was slain, but now who reigns forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords, our Lord Jesus Christ. We will stand in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We will need no sun or moon to light heaven, for the glory of our God envelops us in light supernal, and the Lamb is our lamp. Yes, God himself, the ver God in his very presence, his glory, God himself wipes every tear from our eyes there. Not even the myriads of angels or seeing loved ones who have died in the Lord will make heaven seem any more blessed or happy or joyful, for in heaven we will see God face to face. That will be all that matters. That's all that matters, not only for the life to come, but, but for this life as well. By faith we too call to our God, Whom do I have in heaven besides you? Besides you there is nothing on earth I delight in. Is that perhaps what Peter tasted for a brief moment as Jesus was transfigured? Is that why he said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Oh, yes, that, that was foolish for Peter to think he could make this last by setting up shelters. How could Peter or, or any of us enter heaven unless Jesus descended from that mount and, and, and went to the cross, lowering himself to death in our place? How could any of us enter heaven if Jesus had not carried Peter's sin and our sin, yours and mine and the sins of the world? and sacrificed himself in our place. But Peter's desire, that all-consuming longing, forgetting all earthly concerns, wanting only to be with God, there was nothing wrong with that. Rather, to the contrary, how far you and I fall short. How often I get caught up in earthly busyness or happiness and, and heaven becomes a, a secondary thought. Or when we think about heaven, we wonder, how could I really be happy in heaven unless I'm able to do this, whatever your favorite thing is, or unless a certain good friend or loved one or even a pet is there? And even when we long for heaven, are we longing to be with God in his glorious presence? Or is it more of a desire to be free from earthly pain or out of the mess we're in at this time? How far we fall short, even, even in our desire for heaven, how much we need a Savior from our sin. What great good news that Jesus came down to be with us, to carry our sin. For in Jesus' cross, in his blood, in his sacrifice, you, dear friend, you have full and free forgiveness. You are fully and freely forgiven. 
And in his resurrection we have the seal of our forgiveness and the foretaste of our own resurrection. That good news alone, dear friends, that good news alone purifies our desire for heaven just as it purifies us from all of our sins so that the more, so that more and more we can say with Asaph, Whom do I have in heaven besides you? Besides you there is nothing on earth I delight in. And then more and more we too can sing. Lord, you I love with all my heart. I pray you ne'er from me depart. With tender mercies cheer me. Earth has no pleasure I would share. Heaven itself were void and bare. If you Lord were not near me, and should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in you no one could shake. You are the treasure I have sought, your precious blood my soul has bought. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, forsake me not, I trust your word. That young man, I mentioned at the beginning, that young man that had gone to Haiti, his name was Ben Larson. As his wife called to him, trying to find him in the earthquake rubble, she heard him singing. She recognized the melody, but figured he was making up the words as he went along. She remembers two lines that he sang out. Lord Jesus, you bear all the sins a world away. God's peace to us, we pray. No death while trusting in Jesus as my Savior from sin. No death that dies with faith in Christ is a tragedy, but a victory, dear friend. No pain or sorrow of this life can rob you, dear Christian, of that victory. For through faith in Jesus, the Lord God is your everlasting shelter. Remember that. Remember what's ahead. Remember, as you listen now to Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to the pure of heart. But as for me, my feet nearly went out from under me. My life's way was poured out as nothing, for I envied the arrogant boasters. I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there weren't any chains leading them to death. Their bellies were well fed. They didn't toil like men. They weren't stricken with the rest of humanity. So pride was their necklace, and violence covered them as a garment. Their eyes bulged out looking for more, and conceited schemes ran through their heart. They mocked and spoke wickedly. They used their high position to threaten and extort. They placed their mouths in heaven. Their tongues strutted on earth. So people turned there 
and abundant waters are guzzled by them, they say, How does God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? See, these are the wicked. They make their wealth grow while always at ease. Surely I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands clean for nothing. I have been stricken all day long and rebuked every morning. If I say I will speak like this, behold, I would betray the generation of your children. I was contemplating how to know this. It's a toil in my sight until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you have set them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How they waste away in a moment they completely come to an end from destruction. O Lord, when you awake, you despise their images like a dream on awakening. When my mind soured and I was pricked in my heart, I was a brute and did not know I was like cattle toward you. But I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you take me into glory. Whom do I have in heaven besides you? Besides you, there is nothing on earth I delight in. My flesh and my heart fail. God is the rock of my heart and my portion forever. For look, those who are far from you will perish. You put an end to all who commit adultery against you. But as for me, it is good for me to be near God. I have made the Lord God my shelter to recount all your works. This is the word of our Lord. The peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.